Chapter eighteen of the Return of Dr. Fu Manchu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elaine Tweddle. The Return of Dr. Fu Manchu by Sax Romer. Chapter eighteen The Silver Buddha. Museum Street certainly did not seem a likely spot for Dr. Fu Manchu to establish himself, yet, unless my imagination had strangely deceived me, from the window of the antique dealer who traded under the name of J. Salomon, those wonderful eyes of Karamina, like the velvet midnight of the Orient, had looked out at me. As I paced slowly along the pavement toward that lighted window, my heart was beating far from normally, and I cursed the folly which, in spite of all, refused to die, but lingered on, poisoning my life. Comparative quiet reigned in Museum Street. At no time a busy thoroughfare, and, excepting another shop at the museum end, commercial activities had ceased there. The door of a block of residential chambers almost immediately opposite to the shop, which was my objective, threw out a beam of light across the pavement, but not more than two or three people were visible upon either side of the street. I turned the knob of the door and entered the shop. The same dark and immobile individual whom I had seen before, and whose nationality defied conjecture, came out from the curtained doorway at the back to greet me. "'Good evening, sir,' he said monotonously, with a slight inclination of the head. "'Is there anything which you desire to inspect?' "'I merely wish to take a look round,' I replied. "'I have no particular item in view.' The shopman inclined his head again, swept a yellow hand comprehensively about, as if to include the entire stock, and seated himself on a chair behind the counter. I lighted a cigarette with such an air of nonchalance as I could summon to the operation, and began casually to inspect the varied objects of interest loading the shelves and tables about me. I am bound to confess that I retain no one definite impression of this tour. Vases I handled, statuettes, Egyptian scarabs, bead necklaces, illuminated missiles, portfolios of old prints, jade ornaments, bronzes, fragments of rare lace, early printed books, Assyrian tablets, daggers, Roman rings, and a hundred other curiosities leisurely, and I trust with apparent interest, yet without forming the slightest impression respecting any one of them. Probably I employed myself in this way for half an hour or more, and whilst my hands busied themselves among the stock of J. Salomon, my mind was occupied entirely elsewhere. Furtively I was studying the shopman himself, a human presentment of the Chinese idol, I was listening and watching, especially I was watching the curtained doorway at the back of the shop. "'We close at about this time, sir,' the man interrupted me, speaking in the emotionless, monotonous voice which I had noted before. I replaced upon the glass counter a little secket boat, carved in wood and highly coloured, and glanced up with a start. Truly my methods were amateurish, I had learned nothing, I was unlikely to learn anything.' I wondered how Nayland Smith would have conducted such an inquiry, and I racked my brains for some means of penetrating into the recesses of the establishment. Indeed, I had been seeking such a plan for the past half-hour, but my mind had proved incapable of suggesting one. Why I did not admit failure I cannot imagine, but, instead, I began to tax my brains anew for some means of gaining further time, and, as I looked about the place, the shopman very patiently awaiting my departure, I observed an open case at the back of the counter. The three lower shelves were empty, but upon the fourth shelf squatted a silver Buddha. "'I should like to examine the silver image yonder,' I said. "'What price are you asking for it?' "'It is not for sale, sir,' replied the man, with a greater show of animation than he had yet exhibited. 
"'Not for sale,' I said, my eyes ever seeking the curtained doorway. "'How's that?' "'It is sold.' "'Well, even now there can be no objection to my examining it.' "'It is not for sale, sir.' Such a rebuff from a tradesman would have been more than sufficient to call for a sharp retort at any other time, but now it excited the strangest suspicions. The street outside looked comparatively deserted, and, prompted primarily by an emotion which I did not pause to analyse, I adopted a singular measure. Without doubt I relied upon the unusual powers vested in Nayland Smith to absolve me in the event of error. I made as if to go out into the street, then turned, leaped past the shopman, ran behind the counter, and grasped the silver Buddha. That I was likely to be arrested for attempted larceny I cared not. The idea that Karamino was concealed somewhere in the building ruled absolutely, and a theory respecting the silver image had taken possession of my mind. Exactly what I expected to happen at that moment I cannot say, but what actually happened was far more startling than anything I could have imagined. At the instant that I grasped the figure I realized that it was attached to the woodwork, In the next I knew that it was a handle. As I tried to pull it toward me, I became aware that this handle was the handle of a door, for that door swung open before me, and I found myself at the foot of a flight of heavily carpeted stairs. Anxious as I had been to proceed a moment before, I was now trebly anxious to retire, and for this reason. On the bottom step of the stair, facing me, stood Dr. Fu Manchu. End of chapter 18 Recording by Elaine Tweddle, Stirling, Ontario.